solar and and wind have have already won. People just haven't caught up with that fact yet. So uh, right now, it's actually very, very difficult to build a new coal plant or even a new gas plant. Even though they can compete today, they know that they won't be able to compete in five or ten years' time. So it actually makes it very difficult for um, people to build any other type of plant today except for solar and wind. Welcome to Wannabe Greener with me, Harriet Robinson. This is a podcast answering those questions and making life a little bit easier when you're trying to go green. Now, as the Earth's natural resources are drained and cities are becoming more polluted, a lot of us have been making the move to renewable energy at home or in our place of work. But it's a bit of a minefield and can be pretty complicated to get your head around. So today we'll break down what renewable energy actually is and how it works, whether it's as expensive as you think it is, spoiler, it's not, uh, and easy ways that we can vastly reduce our energy usage at home or at work. Now, this interview was recorded in Bristol in the UK before I moved to Wellington in New Zealand, although with a Kiwi interviewee, funnily enough. Um, but either way, the information and tips within the podcast should be just as relevant to you wherever you are in the world. So as well as small renewable energy companies popping up all over, huge corporations like Apple are leading the way by being powered by 100% green energy. Even oil giant BP has promised to invest more in cleaner energy and renewables. It's not just our homes where we can use green power, but it's a good place to start. Damon Rand is a co-founder of Clean Energy Prospector, a Bristol-based services company helping to build the smart grid. He's a visionary engineer who's worked as a developer and technology consultant for the Electricity Corporation of New Zealand, NatWest Bank, Microsoft Europe and Amnesty International. He's passionate about the potential for technology to benefit our environment. So Damon, thank you for joining me. Tell me more about Clean Energy Prospector and what it actually does. Um, so what we do is uh, we help our clients work out the financial viability of renewables. So one of the barriers is that renewables often are a profitable thing to do on your business or, or in your project, but um, actually understanding how they make money is um, or how they pay back on the initial investment is, is quite a difficult challenge, so that's what we work with. Um, and then also we're working directly on renew renewables projects on um, new build housing helping house builders integrate more renewables into the new homes that are being built amazing so mm-hmm. i know it sounds like a simple question but what actually is renewable energy sure um the you know it's a, a very good question so <laughs> um essentially we are capturing energy from um the environment instead of unlocking it from uh, fossil fuels as we do with coal or or gas by burning them or unlocking it from uranium as we do in a nuclear reactor so um the 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 two best examples are solar panels which turn light into electricity and something called heat pumps which take heat out of the air or the ground and bring it into your home cool and these are becoming a lot more popular now right um, yes, I think they've always been popular. They're becoming popular and cheap now. Okay, that's good. Yep. <laughs> How cheap though? Because I mean, it's still 
it's still cheaper not to have renewable energy, right? No, that's it's interesting. Um, really, solar and and wind have have already won. People just haven't caught up with that fact yet. So uh, right now, it's actually very very difficult to build a new coal plant or even a new gas plant. And the reason it's um, very, very difficult is because anyone trying to build those old fossil fuel power plants are going to have to compete with wind and solar in the future. And even though they can compete today, they know that they won't be able to compete in five or ten years time. So it actually makes it very difficult for um, people to build any other type of plant today except for solar and wind. What about um, Hinkley Point in Somerset? Unless you've got giant government subsidies. (laughs) Because obviously that's that's taking years and years to build, but that is completely the opposite of renewable energy, right? Yes. So nuclear is a low-carbon technology. So um, the difference between renewables and and low carbon it depends what problem you're you're trying to solve so nuclear while not renewable is is low carbon um so it doesn't cause climate change to the anything like the extent that um coal and gas does obviously renewables are important because we're running out of resources Mm -hmm. and because of climate change and, and we know all that but is it for example solar power is that does that work better in a hotter country? Is it easy for us to use solar power? Is that a silly question? <laughs> no, it's certainly not a silly question. Um, no, it's interesting that people. There's a myth that actually um, Britain isn't a great country for solar because it's too north. Yeah. Um, and that's not actually the case at all. The only difference uh, here is that we get a lot of our solar power in nine months of the year, and we don't have very much in November, December, January. However, solar power works just as well here uh, as it does at the equator. It just generates at different times. Okay. And wind in particular is, is fantastic in Britain. It's one of the best, has one of the best wind resources in the world. So why don't we all have solar power and, and why don't we have wind turbines everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> so um, interestingly, onshore wind turbines are the lowest cost form of new electricity generation in Britain have been for several years now. The reason we don't have more is mainly that people don't like them in their backyard, basically. And they're they're the biggest pretty. I know, I know. A lot of people feel that um it's mankind working in harmony with nature when they see a wind turbine and then some people don't. But um, so really, in terms of um, ways to power a country, wind is the cheapest way to do it. But I, I couldn't really comment much on why some people don't like them. But uh, yeah, and then solar itself is uh, only a, a few years behind wind, two or three years behind wind, and it, it will be the second cheapest way to generate electricity. So with renewable energy companies, there's loads of them that exist now that mm-hmm. aren't part of the, the, the big six. Mm-hmm. What do, is that what they're using to give us energy for our homes? So they're using wind and solar? Yes. Uh, so actually, it's, it'd be interesting to take a, a small digression into how energy companies work. Okay. So the wholesale electricity comes from big central power plants. Um, some of those big central power plants might be actually wind farms or solar farms 
and they all sell into um, the wholesale market. And then the suppliers that we are the customers of, they are buying wholesale energy on the wholesale market and then also they're selling it and they have to buy the amount that they sell. Okay. <laughs> and um, they can choose where they get it from. Okay. So it becomes, uh, because we've got so many electricity suppliers in the UK, uh, they can choose if they want to focus on price and existing coal-fired power stations are and, and gas stations are, are still cheaper. It's about uh, because they were built a long time ago and they've been paid off. So um, they're often still cheaper. I'm talking about if you want to build a new plant, it's cheaper to build wind and solar now. Mm. So they can they can go that way or they can choose to be green like um, Good Energy or, or Ecotricity or, or other 100% green suppliers like those, in which case they only buy from solar, wind and, and other types of generators. So how do you choose if... You know, if someone's listening and they want to move over to a renewable company, because there's some that offer different tariffs, aren't there? There's some that do kind of 50% renewable or 100% or, yep. or not at all. And there is quite a price difference. But then you're saying there's companies as well that are just completely renewable. How do you kind of rifle through and find the, the right one for you? Yeah, well, the first thing, there used to be quite a price difference. Okay. And these days, actually, a, a full 100% green tariff is minimally more expensive a, a few percent that there is often really not very much in it at all um you mean between a, a completely non-renewable and a hundred percent renewable one yeah okay yeah so the answer really if you're looking to do better is is to go to one of the switching providers and you can usually restrict a, a like compare the market or you switch you can usually say i, I want a green tariff uh, and they'll still come back with dozens of options for you. And yeah, you'll find even if you're not on a green supply now, many of those options will be better value than your non-green supply. It's interesting because I think people think that the one they're with is is fine when actually you're told to change your tariff kind of once a year anyway, aren't you? So why mm. not change it once a year and actually look for a, a more renewable one, really? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should do that. Um, what about kind of saving energy anyway? Because obviously mm -hmm. we can have renewable energy. We could still leave our, you know, reboil our kettle loads of times. You're always using the hairdryer. Are there things at home that we can do to reduce our energy use anyway? Yes. Uh, it's certainly some of the, the big things we can do uh, is switch out our old light bulbs for LED light bulbs. That's a, a nice, simple one. Does that make a big difference? Because I think... That's one we're told, but it just seems like such a tiny thing to change a light bulb. But does it actually really affect your, your energy use? Yes. Uh, so, the I mean, the nice thing, I'm, I'm picking things that both have an impact and also are better for your wallet as well. Mm -hmm. And certainly switching out for LED light bulbs is both. So one of the things about LED light bulbs is that... Um, or light in general, is you're mostly going to be using that in the evening, <laughs> in winter, which is when we don't have a lot of renewable power available necessarily. It's when the dirtiest energy is on the grid. So Why is that? Uh, well, the sun's not shining. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, that's the main reason that, that light and solar don't go well together, uh, at least um, light, light bulbs and solar don't go well together. Uh, wind still generates very well in winter. So it's, it's, not, it's not just about 
what you do it's also when you do it and so there there are times when it's better to put the washing machine on or well not boil the kettle i'm sure we want to do that when we want to do it but uh yeah so it's that's a, a simple impact that people can can have is um yeah switching out the light bulbs for better energy efficient ones particularly i mean one of the main reasons really is that non-led light bulbs are just horribly inefficient like the mm. difference between certainly if anybody's still got old incandescent light bulbs they use 10 times the energy to produce the same light it's 90 percent heat and 10 percent light so actually it's a bit of an investment because i think the bulbs are a bit more expensive the led ones but then in the long run you're saving on your energy bill so you might as well put a bit more money up front yeah, but again, um, that's changing fast as well. Because LED is a technology, like solar panels are a technology, it only ever goes down in price, unlike fossil fuel resources, um, like gas, which only ever go up in price. So actually the, the, the sort of mega trend we have in society in general is that technology always gets cheaper and our resources they're extracting from the planet always get more expensive and inevitably there will be a time when LED is the cheapest way to light your home. I don't think we're that far away from that really today anyway. Um, tell me a bit about community energy because there's lots mm-hmm. of, where we are in Bristol, there's lots of community energy companies, but I don't really know what that means. And I know community <laughs> energy fortnight happens once a year as well, so tell yep. me about that. Yeah, so... um. We can talk specifically about individual homes, but actually one of the big movements that's happening today, and it's really gathering momentum now, is people are coming together in their local towns and cities and neighbourhoods to look at what they can do beyond their home, but within their local environment. So Bristol's a fantastic example of this um, because we've got some great companies, less companies, um, cooperatives that operate in and around Bristol or in, in the southwest in general. For example, Bristol Energy Cooperative owns two large solar farms just outside of Bristol. And what they do is they raise money from private investors like you and me, um, who might put £100 in, £500 in, rather than putting that money into equipment on their own house. They've invested it into community energy cooperatives. And um, those cooperatives... Summed all that money together and, and Bristol Co-op has raised £10 million pounds wow. to invest into solar farms. That's at the, the high end, but there are many, many groups like that in, in neighbourhoods or around towns all over the country, really, where people are getting together and looking at what they can do. Can they put solar on a local school? That's a very good example. In the new build space, we've got people building um, co-housing, affordable housing in their own area and and asking whether that new housing can be very sustainable, um, run mostly on on solar and battery storage as well, which is coming along. Um, Community energy is about finding different people with different skill sets and expertise, whether it's raising money or engineering or engaging with others, getting them together in a group. And we can now buy technology and deploy it in our local area that means that that area doesn't need to draw power from distant fossil fuel power stations anymore it's quite amazing how quickly it's moving i um 
I've been talking to festivals, so for example, Boomtown Fair mm-hmm. are going really heavy on um, sustainability at the moment. So they had lots of stuff going on at, at the festival, like, you know, uh, 95% compostable loose, all LED lights everywhere. <laughs> They're being kind of, uh, I think they were being assessed for it as well. So um, I think 60 festivals around the UK have signed up to mm-hmm. be more sustainable now and use renewable energy. So now it's becoming such a kind of mainstream thing do you think it's going to take over very soon and and kind of become the normal power that we use rather than oil and gas yeah i think i think that's exactly what's happening and we can look around the world actually and and see a few places that are ahead of us here so um australia for example one in seven homes in australia now has solar panels that transition has happened in about five years gone from almost zero to i think it's about it's nearly two million homes um running on solar so it's phenomenal i mean it again comes back to the fact that renewables are a technology and they're just getting better so fast and better also meaning cheaper and uh it's it's an unstoppable force really but what about all the, the money that's to be made for all the companies, you know, and the deals that are being made between companies? I mean, if we stop buying gas and oil, what does that, you know, are we ever really going to do that? Yes. So, yeah, the um, the movements to, to get out of shares and fossil fuel companies is, is also accelerating. That's going to kill the dirty energy companies before anything else does. Mm. It's going to kill them before... Uh, before renewables gets there <laughs> because uh, investors are looking forward 10 or 15 years and recognizing that um, renewables and storage technology like batteries as well uh, are going to wipe out the old business models that have been with us for a century. So nobody wants to be the last investor in in fossil fuels, really. Mm. We, we've kind of talked about inside the home, outside of the home in terms of renewable energy i guess cars mm-hmm. or cycle don't use a car or get an electric car or are there, are there any kind of other areas that we we can think of in in our everyday lives where we're where we should be using more renewable energy <laughs> uh yeah well i mean so definitely on on the subject of transport i wouldn't recommend people don't boil their kettles and don't wash their clothes <laughs> as much there's no no point in cutting back i don't think in the home it's more about choosing better but um, in, in transport, we've got so many choices these days. I mean, I'm my kids have lovely little micro scooters and they make an adult electric model now. I'm really excited. I haven't got one yet. But um, oh, I'd love to see you guys <laughs> down the street. Yeah, my three-year-old, my six-year-old and, and me on my electric scooter. But um, so, yeah, certainly uh, we can make choices for, for better transport before cars. But then after that, electric cars are a... a bit further behind but once the the grid is clean then an electric car is a considerably cleaner alternative than a petrol car and faster and better in other ways because again it's a it's a technology so it's getting electric cars are getting better in the same way that our iphones are getting better and our solar panels are getting better Mm -hmm. and they're going to continue to get better whereas petroleum cars have have kind of the adverts are getting better, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> we should say, by the way, this is basically a completely green podcast because we're doing it in Eastern Community mm-hmm. Centre, which is a very sustainable place, right? 
yeah absolutely this is one of the most sustainable places in in bristol so the entire building runs on solar panels that have been raised by the funding for them was raised by local investors it's community energy solar rooftop here and then the heating in winter for this building is supplied by a ground source heat pump which has uses two kilometers of pipe work in the park behind the building to feed uh, heat from the ground into the building so um, we don't use any gas on site and we use uh, only small amounts of of electricity as well there we go what a green podcast it is yes <laughs> uh, we've bcfm had... is right here Yay! Yep. we've had a couple <laughs> of um questions from people um so we've kind of answered them a little bit. Uh, Ian said, what thing do we do at home that uses the most energy? I guess you said light bulbs. Is there anything else? You said it's L- not- light bulbs is the, e- the easy win. I mean, things okay. that use the most energy uh, in your house would would be things like, well, if you're like our house, then it's the washing machine because we wash every day. Yes. Uh, yeah, kids are really mucky. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask you actually about smart meters. That's something mm-hmm. I just I forgot about. Um, they're sure. coming in a lot now, yep. and it's a good way to gauge how much energy you're using and be a bit more aware of if yep. you're wasting it. Right? How how do they actually work? So smart meters are meters that record how much energy your house is using, both for gas heating and for power and light, and then they transmit the data up to a, a central database, essentially. And that's your supplier then creates the bills out of um, that system. So they have many benefits, only some of which are immediately apparent to local residents. So, for example, it means that energy suppliers don't need to run trucks all around the country and send lots of people out to your house and all the fossil fuels involved in doing that on a regular basis. For checking your meters. For checking the meters because the data now just comes to them. And then the second thing that um, is sort of not obvious about smart meters is that they show what's happening on the grid on a much more frequent basis. You used to really only have a read every a few times a year, um, so you couldn't really tell what was happening. And we are moving into a world where the grid is getting, the electricity grid around us is getting much more complicated, partly because of renewables and that the variable nature of renewables and smart meters provide visibility on what's happening in the grid. Previously, what used to happen in the past is that the infrastructure on our grid was uh, you just installed, you over-installed, you spent a lot of money, installed very big, heavy grids just in case they might be needed because there was no visibility of what was going on. So one of the things smart meters is bringing is it's um, letting central uh, grid operators system operators understand exactly where they need to reinforce the grid and where it's just fine so that's saving money for consumers on on a wider level on an infrastructure level specifically the the in-home displays in your house uh, help you understand your energy a little bit better and they're yep. free usually aren't they they're offered to you by your by companies for free normally. yeah They'll come in and install them free, yeah, absolutely. And everybody uh, is supposed to have been offered one by 2021, I think, something like that. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. So there's no real downside. Hmm, interesting. Um, Last question, Sean said, um, which which are the bad suppliers and which are the good suppliers? I know you can't list them all, but which (laughs) which ones should we definitely not be getting our energy from? 
Yeah. Um. Uh. Good question. I won't name specific suppliers. Um. Shame. <laughs> name and shame. I'll defend suppliers a little bit first. Um. So the energy bills you get are actually um made up of of different parts. People think about just the the energy bit, whether it's the the bit that's coming from the the coal fired power station or or from the the wind farm. Um, that's actually only a, a third to a quarter of your bill. The other main components are the, the cost of the grid, transporting that power from somewhere to your house, and what are called um, policy costs, things like the affordable warmth scheme, which um, supports people with the, with the least and often in the draftiest homes to get support in winter, for mm. example, winter fuel payments and and renewable obligations, which helped wind and solar get started five or ten years ago, is in there. Smart meter rollout is is a cost in there. All of those things, the actual cost of running the grid and the, the policy costs around that is as big a component of your bill as the making of the energy in it. And so what the suppliers can control is narrower and smaller than people think because they're very heavily regulated. So really all they can control is where they get their energy from. They can pick to be green or not or, or to offer green tariffs or not. And then they can improve their own internal operating procedures to be more efficient in the way they run help desks and send out bills and things like that. Um, but. But. <laughs> so there are energy companies that are still heavily invested in fossil fuels, as in they own them, some of the big six companies. So, yeah, if you want to uh, make change, then move away from a company that is invested in fossil fuels. How do you find out about that, though? Look at what your supplier is invested in first. See if they're invested in fossil fuels on their website. There'll be some the, All the some information, yeah, I was going to say, say on their website. Um, and then when, you, when you're switching, yeah, mainly look for a supplier. If you go to a, a, a fully green supplier, then you've avoided that one. And apart from that, the only other thing really is there are sort of really new entrant suppliers that are coming to market with very cheap offers that are unsustainable offers. And you might get a, a win out of that for a year. Yeah, so it'd be really idea. cheap for a year and then they'll renew your contract and you'll suddenly realise lots of money's gone out of your account. Yeah, that, that's that's their, their strategy. Often the, the support, if you ever need to get through them on the phone, isn't necessarily that great either. Mm. So I, I, just, I guess I just ask people to think a little bit more long term when switching. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you very much. Sure. Um, we usually kind of end on a top tip. I guess it's quite easy, the top tip, mm. is find a renewable energy company. Yeah. But I guess, for you, how, how would you say to, to find one? Would you say go and find a, a local renewable energy company or how... How to, how to so, um, well, I think uh, the, the other top tip is get involved in your local community energy scheme. So uh, Community Energy England website or, or Wales, Community Energy Wales, Community Energy Scotland websites are a good way to uh, find local people who are involved in renewables in, in your town. I'd start there and, and, yeah, go to a few sort of social meetings and get some more top tips from uh, people in your local community who've been working in this area or, or thinking about this for a long time. Cool. Yep. Perfect. Thank you very much. Great. No worries. Nice. 
That was Damon Rand, who's the co-founder and head of product development at Clean Energy Prospecta. You can find out more about him or even ask him questions yourself, if you like, by following him on Twitter at CEProUK or head to the Clean Energy Prospecta website, which is CEPro.co.uk. Lots of interesting stuff I didn't know about renewable energy before this chat, especially about bills and how you're not just paying for the power that you've used in your own home, but lots of other stuff as well. Community energy groups are a great way to make big changes locally and probably just change your light bulbs to more efficient ones. That seems like the right thing to do, doesn't it? Now, as mentioned, this interview is clearly conducted in the UK, but wherever you are, there's probably a community energy project near you. And I actually just searched Community Energy New Zealand and found a website straight away called cea.co.nz. So if you live in New Zealand, for example, uh, where I live, check out that website as that will tell you about your nearest community energy group. Um, And I'm sure if you do the same in another country, it will do the same. Uh, If you have any more questions regarding this topic or another, of course, you can email me wannabegreener at gmail.com or pop me a message on Instagram at wannabegreener. I want this podcast to be as interactive as possible. So please don't feel like you can't get in touch. If you have a question or any feedback or criticism, let me know. And if there's a green topic you'd like me to cover in a future episode, definitely get in touch with that. And please subscribe, leave a review and tell your friends about Wannabe Greener. Thanks to BCFM Radio for letting us use their studio and thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye.